0: Welcome to the Swamp Flicks Podcast. My name is Brain of the Day.
1: I'm Brittany Lombas.
0: I'm James Cohn.
1: And I'm Hannah Rassenen.
0: And we are recording in James and Hannah's apartment in Mid-City, New Orleans. Mm. It is a stormy, hot, steamy New Orleans night tonight. Mm, yes. Some
2: minor street flooding. Doesn't take much around here. Yeah, it was like a half an hour of rain and the street
0: was already yeah. like piling up.
3: I do not have a window in my office and I work downtown so I walked... Down to the front of the building and it was just torrentially raining and totally flooded all outside. I had to run across the street in my suede boots. Oh no. <laughs> Do they make it? They well, technically they did. We'll
0: <laughs> okay. They're still here. Yeah, they they <laughs> exist.
1: Ruined. Yeah.
0: The worst is when the water line gets above your boot and it just like pours oh into God. the boot. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. Squishy and it smells weird mm. forever. Yeah. Like it never gets back right you know how much you wash it in baking soda, whatever.
2: Mm.
0: We have a lot to talk about today. Let's jump right into it. What have y'all yes. been watching lately?
2: Who wants to start? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Was that too aggressive? I feel like I
2: just like stunned <laughs> it. Know, right, somebody <laughs> step up. Well, I'll I'll start out with a okay. So I need to get so, my
1: thoughts together. For yeah,
2: since I got my uh, AMC A list again, been going. I, I'm going to be the like what's currently playing in theater guy because I've been going to the movies a lot. Like I talked about last time, like Jungle Cruise. And this week I saw Free Guy, the new Ryan Reynolds flick, you know, stuff that I normally wouldn't go out of my way to see. But it's like, whatever, I get three free movies a month. I might as well go. And I was like pretty pleasantly surprised with this movie. Like, And I really can't stand Ryan Reynolds. I
0: fucking hate him.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I I don't like him at all.
0: He ruined Blade 3. Oh, he's the absolute worst in that movie. If that movie was just the, forgive him for the that. vampire Pomeranian and uh Parker Posey, that movie would have been great. Yeah, he yeah. ruined Ryan it. Reynolds does his whole Deadpool shtick, like to the camera, he looking at you, and he
2: does that in this movie too. Oh, no. So oh, if no. you don't like it, <laughs> but what I will say, the things I liked about it were pretty much everything besides him, and I actually found him to be like just fine. But like, it's a pretty crazy story, you know. He's like this. Character inside of a video game, kind of like the bystanders in Grand Theft Auto, NPC, NBC non playable characters that just get like abused and robbed and whatever. And he finally like becomes sentient and decides to like be a good guy. And there's this, this story about the game developer who stole code and there's like a romance thing in there too. So it's got a lot going on. I think what I really liked about it was it was very easy to watch and it took all these like kind of crazy concepts and it actually, I felt like the script was very tight and it like kind of hit all the points it needed to hit. And Mm -hmm. I was just kind of like, Oh, I'm having a good time at this
1: movie with Ryan Reynolds, Reynolds,
2: which I really never thought I would say. So, you know, I'm not going to say it's like a five star masterpiece, but is it like a fun way to spend an afternoon in a theater? Yeah, totally. Totally.
0: I have a question about that. Like, do you think it would have been as fun at home? Like, do you think you would have left with as positive of a feeling? As probably you... not. I'm struggling with that right now. Like, mm. I'm watching new releases as they've become free on streaming services, and a lot of stuff is just kind of bland to me this year. And I feel like all I'm really missing is like that actual like theatrical environment. Yeah, can't touch your phone,
2: surrounded by the like noise. Mm. Like, I- I'm just like really loving getting back into. This routine of, like, you know, you show up on time, you watch your 20 minutes of previews, you settle in, you turn the phone off. Get the snacks out your bag. Right? (laughs) And the AMC Palace has this, like, Dolby cinema where it's, like, super loud, the screen's huge. And, you know, like, same thing I said with Jungle Cruise, same thing with this, like, certain movies, when they're on that scale, just, you can't help but be entertained. And so, yeah, I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much at home, but mm-hmm. that is interesting. Like how much of the medium matters. Hmm. So yeah, I would say like if you have a chance to see it in the theaters, that's the way to see it.
3: I was also pleasantly surprised, and I think especially in in the story. I mean, I know people have, are divided about Westworld. I like Westworld, Me too. and this was like yeah, this was like a very like fun kind of lighthearted Westworld, you know, it's, and it's a similar kind of like, ah, there's a break in Ryan Reynolds's programming and something caught him out of his loop. And then oh. he began like growing and changing and, you know, I don't know. I just am kind of into the whole like problem of AI. And this was probably like, it it took that concept kind of seriously, but it was also like, not this grim telling of it. So,
2: yeah, I I thought it was very fun. Ryan Reynolds is such an interesting thing to me because when is I he? see <laughs> Yes, yes he is to me because I watched some interviews with him on like late night shows whatever and like he's I don't know. You all would probably disagree. I think he comes across like pretty well and like charismatic and he's got a funny sense of humor and he like engages with people in a good way. Like I like him. Outside of his films, but this is the first thing I've seen where I actually dig him in a movie to any degree. So I don't know what it is, why it doesn't translate, but it worked this time. It worked this time. So anyway, um, Brittany, what have you been watching? I got around to
1: watching um, A Quiet Place too. Oh,
2: oh, okay, heard yeah. Mix things about that.
1: I uh, liked it a lot. I like the way that this like film franchise is kind of going because you know i don't mind sequels but i feel like they always have a super cheesy beginning and a super cheesy end that makes you go oh a third but <laughs> this movie did it in the way that like i don't know if to compare it to anything it was like what the hobbit trilogy did is it it ends without like something going whoa will there be a third one it just ends where it's like this is this scene is over the movie's over. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's gonna be a third one, but it's not
0: there's no like connective tissue like laboring to connect that- the pieces.
2: Exactly. There's no like there's little
3: like- teaser, like no, it's ah, teaser. the problem with happen? the first
2: one though. The first one ended where it felt like this is the end of one movie. Then when I heard they were coming out with a second one, I'm like,
3: Oh, that's what? not Why? actually that's not how <laughs> <Why>? I <right? laughs> That's not how I felt at the end. Uh, really? cause she like they figure out how to kill one of the monsters, and then it's like, okay, they're going to go around.
0: Yeah, there's more work to do.
2: Right. Yeah, right. Well, but that's how I thought they were going to leave it. Oh, they figured out how to kill him, and of course-
1: They just figure out how to kill two of
3: them. <laughs> but, they, but of
2: course they will I guess yeah. using in the end. Yeah,
1: like using that technology to get rid of the whole problem. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I liked it a lot- and I was surprised. And like Cillian Murphy is like <gasps> this rugged, like oh. American, like football man with a big beard. What? And Cillian it's, Murphy. It's Who's just su- such
3: a. He's, he's the beautiful Irish actor. He's he Peaky was in Blinders. Batman and- Begins. Breakfast on Pluto. He's in
0: so many Nolan movies, right? Like he's in Inception too. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. And he was in Sunshine. Who does he play in Inception?
0: I think he's the one they're incepting.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the inceptor. I got you. He's in Peaky Blinders, too. He's like the main main It was just
1: interesting seeing him in this kind of role, and he was really good. Like, just all the actors were really good. Um, I love Emily Blunt, and she's awesome Mm -hmm. in here. Yeah, she's good. And yeah, I just, I like the pace of it, because it starts off with kind of like a prequel bit to being like, here's what life was like before these, like, you know, supersonic hearing monsters took over and started killing everybody to like where they are at that point and their trek with this like newborn baby in a box because you know babies cry and stuff so they have to figure out this system to make sure no one murders it but yeah i i liked it i liked the pace i thought that it was pretty cool for a sequel and i will definitely watch the third one and i just really appreciated the the ending also something i watched that wasn't as like I guess that's cool, but cool to me was the movie <laughs> Queen Bees. It's basically like Mean Girls, but in like a retirement home. Well, I was you know? expecting. A, <laughs> I, was, I was
0: expecting at the end a spelling bee competition. Oh, with the Queen oh bees. my god, <laughs> that would
1: be great! So it's got um, Ellen Bernstein and Jane Curtin, Loretta Devine, or Divine. And Margaret, who looks great. She's, like, in her 80s, I think. But she looks like, I don't know, she looks like she's 50. It's bizarre. James Caan, Christopher Lloyd. (laughs) Like, a star-studded, like, elderly cast. And basically, Ellen Burstein is independently living on her own. She's older. And you know, she's getting flooded with these like pamphlets for like retirement homes and phone calls and things like that. And she's like, No, I've, got, you know, I don't need that. I'm on my own. I'm fine. But she has a habit of like locking herself out the house. And she locks herself out the house with the stove on. And then the house catches fire. I hate when movies do that because I'm like, just because your stove's on doesn't mean like your house is going to catch fire in like two minutes, <laughs> but it does. And so while her home repairs are happening, she has to go live in this retirement facility temporarily. And she's like the new girl. And she like goes up to this group of women who like basically like run the joint. They're like the queen bees and they're mean. They like take over the cafeteria in the bridge club. And she's like, I like to join the bridge club. And they're like, yeah, no. So it's funny in that regard. And if you like old lady humor, like I do, Mm -hmm. it's funny. And yeah, so she eventually like befriends these people and like they all kind of start to like share their stories. And she has like a nice little romance with James Caan. So it's also kind of like this nice like retirement home rom-com at the same time. And it's fun. I thought it was fun. I liked it. Yeah. Queen Bee's. So, Brandon, what have you been watching?
0: I'm getting a jump start on next month's movie of the month. Brittany's selection was Hello Again, which is this comedy with Shelley Long. Wonderful film. Uh, she rises from the dead after having an unfulfilling life as a housewife. She's dead for a year and comes back and... Much to everyone's confusion, tries to like reinsert herself back in her old social circles, and everyone's like, "You have been gone for a year. Um, you're <laughs> freaking me out." <laughs> she's not like a zombie; she's just there again. Yeah. They just
1: kind of get <laughs> over it quickly, yeah. too. Yeah,
0: and I couldn't think of many <laughs> other movies to pair it with because most like back from the grave comedies are much more like zombie focused, and this one, the way it's handled, is so unique. So what I ended up doing instead of like looking for a similar theme, I just. Looked through the director's back catalog. And I watched three movies from this guy, Frank Perry, in the past week. And he's great. (laughs) I don't know. I actually had a really hard time narrowing it down to three movies. There's way more I still want to watch. Wow. Um, I started with this movie he made called Diary of, of a Mad Housewife from 1970. It's kind of a similar premise where this woman has this awful husband who wants to become like a socialite in the big city and, like, cater all these celebrities. Oh, wow. And he just, like, works her to death, like, keeping the house nice and throwing these extravagant parties and, like, basically just negs her all day. Like, he talks about how her haircut isn't cool enough, her, like, clothes aren't cool enough, and her body's, like, getting too skinny. She's, like, basically working herself to the bone. Oh, my God. And eventually, um, she just snaps and has an affair with Frank Langella, and he plays this, like, hipster author who also negs her But like in a kinky way, he's like doming her. (laughs) And so it's a toxic marriage leads her to this toxic affair. And they're both bad. (laughs) but uh, She finds one of them sexy.
1: What year is this?
0: 1970. Oh, wow. And it's so funny. It's like a black comedy where like the husband is so awful. It's almost like Mick Stole in Desperate Living where like all she does is complain. And after like three minutes of just constant monologuing of complaints, like you can't help but laugh at how ridiculous the person is. And her sounds children join really in on great. it. They're like little rotten kids who like also complain at her. And it's just very funny in a very dark way. Afterwards, I watched his movie, Mommy Dearest from 1981, uh, which hmm, I mean, everyone's seen that Dearest. Just kidding. <laughs> I own that movie for over a decade now on DVD. And I didn't realize until I popped it in the other day that it has a full length John Waters commentary track. What? What? <laughs> and I haven't watched oh, no. a commentary track that sounds probably.
1: Amazing
0: in i don't know when's the last time you watched a movie with a commentary on like forever? i like
1: to watch all like the lord of the rings the commentary <laughs> oh <laughs> okay, yes <well. laughs> lord of the rings i
3: watched the scooby-doo movie with commentary oh like, really Aww. multiple times when i was who's on that thinking. one it was like um freddie prince jr oh, and oh, okay. so, yeah no, 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 it was like the i don't know i just thought it was hilarious as john waters
1: has really old. good commentaries that yeah are- oh i would love to listen to him
3: oh. he
0: has no like insight on the production or like Anything going on, he's just MST3K-ing it the whole time, where he's, like, just riffing on what's happening, but also, like, kind of selling the movie as, like, a so-good-it's-great melodrama that just gets a bad rap because of, like, a couple scenes, like, the no more wire hangers scenes, and, like, some of the more infamous, like, campy lines. He's like, without those, this movie would have been, like, really popular. Um And it, it was popular. It just wasn't, yeah. like, you know, critically popular, I guess. It's a really fun watch, like... He's, like, one of the greatest talkers of all time. Yeah, like just that's listening one him of talk. my
1: favorite movies, so, like, I had no idea. Do you <laughs> own that DVD? Yes. It's, it's gotta be the one. I actually have two DVDs of it. I have, like, an anniversary edition, and then I have an older one where it's not as exciting of a cover. Like, the anniversary edition has, like, a slip and everything. Mm-hmm. I guess I just never really paid attention.
0: The one I have is like an all white cover and it's just her makeup.
1: Yeah, I have that one. Oh my God.
0: You have to watch that. It's so good. And he says like early in the film, he's like, one time I got insulted by a critic who said, you know, John Waters thinks that he's the underground uh, Russ Meyer, but really he's the underground Frank Perry. And I don't know why that's such an insult. I love Frank (laughs) Perry. He makes great movies. Um, (laughs) So I don't know. I really recommend that watch. And then I have one that James absolutely has to watch um, mm. called The Swimmer from 1968. Have you oh. ever heard of this? I think yeah, I've seen that. It's the one where Burt Lancaster is just swimming, swimming home, quote unquote, yeah. by yeah. borrowing his friend's Dude, pools. I,
2: yep. I love that movie. And then I actually read the short story yeah, that, I heard that was going on, which yeah. is really good too. And I, I love both.
1: Wait, he borrows pools to swim. He did. Okay. He just, oh my god. Wait, wait, wait.
0: This is insane. He like starts the morning having a cocktail at his friend's house, like just dropping by to swim in their swimming pool and hit on their wives and uh he's shirtless this entire film. And he's kind of gazing across the horizon and he's like, "Wait, I could swim in a pool every house over all the way back to my house. It's a river of swimming pools. And I can swim home." And it's just like endless
2: gin and tonics. Mm-hmm. Like Hitting on every woman hitting he comes every, across. Wow. But like there's like this kind of middle age <laughs> Milu that sort of creeps yeah. in.
3: He's like aging progressively as he's swimming. And it like, becomes
0: this like loosely defined metaphor for life. Right. And I mean really the only progression is you start off thinking like this is a fun suburban playboy who's just kind of right. overgrown his like time. Well, as like a and hobby. Like,
2: yeah, it's like his past kind of comes to haunt him mm-hmm. and you realize like he does- have an ex-wife and a kid he doesn't see. And there's like things in his closet that at first you don't really, uh, you know, it's like kind of under the surface, but the more he swims by the end, you hate his guts. He's like a despicable piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah, Uh,
0: And yeah, there's also just insert scenes, I guess to extend the runtime where he's just running
2: alongside a galloping horse (laughs) and just like trying to cross traffic barefoot and there's a great scene where he i think he meets up with like his old mistress
0: oh that, that scene's great she just eviscerates him
2: yeah yeah that's a real turning point i, I so that's the same director that's crazy yeah as mommy dearest and it's Hello yeah again. it's, su- it's yeah. such a good story that I immediately like oh this is based on a short story i have to read it yeah and yeah. both are really good
0: yeah if you have not seen the swimmer somehow like it, it apparently is a classic that people love like every time i bring it up they're like you know, people's eyes light up. Yeah, but honestly, I'd never heard of it until recently. So,
2: wow. okay, I'm glad you saw
0: it. That's yeah, great. It's awesome. I'm
1: like just blown away. Like, who knew that the same person did *Mommy Dearest*, did *Hello Again*, and these other two great films?
0: Apparently, him and his wife used to work together in the '60s and '70s. I think her name is Eleanor Perry. And basically, like in ads, it'd be like the Perry's latest, oh, you know, production. Oh. Like they had like a name for themselves in Hollywood. Oh, cool the Perry people um, yeah and there's even more movies I haven't touched yet uh, that made it into my watch list like looking into his stuff oh cool you would never know from watching Hello Again which kind of feels like a mainstream comedy that just happens mm-hmm. to have like a quirky like core to it and like the weirdness of that movie makes a lot more sense after watching some of his stuff in the <laughs> 70s it's like okay this guy's always been an absolute fucking weirdo <laughs> What have you been watching, Hana?
3: So I have two new movies. Um, the first is uh, Nine Days, which I think it just came out a few weeks ago by Edson Oda. I think it's his first film. It is about a interviewer who is interviewing souls or like people to be to basically um, be allowed to live on Earth. So there's a nine day interview process, this batch of like people to be, he selects one person out of those nine and then they are born and he watches them for their entire life and like takes notes on them. One of the people that he has selected and is who's one of his favorite humans that he's brought into the world is like this very accomplished uh, violinist. Uh, dies in circumstances that he can't quite understand so he's doing another batch of interviews to get the next person this movie was very hard (laughs) for me to watch because it's it's like all of your insecurities about being a fully realized meaningful human being like this person is judging all of these people um to see if they like are talented enough to have a fruitful life or are like strong enough to survive in the world and then he just like kind of eliminates them if like for instance there's one guy who's like very talented at drawing he draws this beautiful like seaside patch but he he can't see like how beautiful his drawing is so the interviewer is like yeah this guy's he's not gonna work out and then he's like you're not gonna you're not gonna make it we, you can have one beautiful moment and then you're gonna cease to exist forever whoa yeah Even the, the soul <laughs> part too yeah they don't fully explain it but yeah it's like like these are like pre-people and then when they're oh, not pre- selected they just disappear
1: oh my god
3: yeah so he watches the people that he's released on these TVs, and all of the technology in the movie is like, it looks like it's from like the, the 60s, maybe it looks a little like old timey. And th- this is definitely like a feel good, like motivational movie, like go out and live life and enjoy every moment. Like there's one girl who's interviewing, one of their assignments is to like select all the scenes from other people's lives that, like, they like the most. Like, oh, pick something that makes you happy. And she just writes, like, every single moment is makes her happy. And he's like, you need to be more selective. But she's, like, fully living life. But I I felt like if the movie was more honest, like, there would be just constant video streams of people, like, on their phones or, like, on the Internet. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of, like, dancing on the beach. And, you know, it was, like, a little too sentimental for me but I also kind of liked it so
0: I like the images in the trailer um, yeah
3: it's really beautiful yeah it's a cool very cool visually I think that the delivery of the main actor I can't remember what his name is but is it's, it's Winston like Winston Duke yeah
0: is that right actually I don't know oh, I have okay. no idea I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was I was
3: like that, that might be right he's very like theatrical like he 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 has the cadence of an actor and he, he is like he was an actor in high school in the movie, when in his former life. So that kind of like, I don't know, it annoyed me a little bit or it took <laughs> me out of the movie a little bit, uh-huh. um, but I don't know.
2: I mean, yeah, the concept is kind of remind me of like a Charlie Kaufman sort of film, but it's extremely in your face life affirming, which is fine. A little too cynical to sink into it. No, I'm not. I mean, I'm not cynical. I can like get with those movies. I just there were aspects of it that didn't quite work for me. But I will say, visually, it was very interesting. Like watching the TVs of all these people's like beautiful little moments and- yeah it was
0: like the video art aspect that was
2: like yeah it was to re- me.
3: yeah and all the right it's like all these TVs stacked on each other and yeah, it's like an 80s
0: art installation right
3: totally yeah I think it was like the sentimentality that you're or the like life of it's like these moments are either like ah you know I this girl is taking her first steps or it's like this kid just like killed a dude in the under the bleachers
2: that's oh. my favorite <laughs> yeah yeah, it's like a very black and white view of humanity it's either like the darkest shit or the most like terrence malicky beautiful moments and uh
0: most of life is just uncomfortably
2: boring yeah it's that mundane (laughs) stuff and it didn't really tackle the boredom yeah
3: they have one moment where one of the guys is like they have to pick a moment that they don't like and talk about it and there's this one woman who I think she works at like a donut store or something. So she's just putting donuts in boxes, and the interviewee is like, "Yeah, she's just every day she gets a box of donuts and she puts the donuts in, and then yeah. she moves it on and then, Yeah, it yeah. sucks. And it's like, yeah, that's but that's like ninety percent of life.
0: That's most of our time. Yeah, <sighs> yeah.
3: Um. So <laughs> the other movie I saw that I loved was the new A twenty four. Release the Green Knight Mm. with Dev Patel. It's an Arthurian tale of of Sir Gawain and his uh, journey to find the Green Knight. So he's the son of like King Arthur's half sister, or you know, he's like tangentially related to King Arthur. He's kind of a playboy. He like hangs out in the brothels all day and fucks around. He's gonna be a knight at some point so it's christmas and this his mother actually like performs this ritual that kind of calls the green knight who's this big like um tree knight man who's like so fucking cool and the knight has this challenge it's a game and he says one of your knights can come and lay any blow upon me and then in a year i'll come back and lay the same on them so sir gawain steps up and he chops off this guy's head and everybody's like ooh ha ha and then the the knight picks his head up and he's like yeah i'll i'll see you in a year
0: <laughs>
3: so the story is basically going who's played by dev patel his journey to the green cathedral where the the green knight lives and it's like his his like coming of age story and it's just like so beautiful there is this one scene especially with these giants and, you know, whenever I think of giants, it's like big, stocky people. But they're just these gigantic, like blue, ethereal, huge people, like like kind of like androgynous or and like just these gorgeous, gorgeous, like expansive images of nature. And yeah, I was he gets into all sorts of little troubles with people. And I, I really liked it. I thought it was fantastic. Sounds
2: awesome. Sounds great. Man. Yeah, yeah. Y- y'all, y'all should definitely see yeah. it. Yeah, I'm.
0: A, I was a little wary because I did not like a ghost story from David Lowry. and you know, mm-hmm. everyone who's raving about the Green Knight also loved a ghost story. I was like, oh, I need somebody who hated that one, and loved <laughs> this one, to like push me over the well, edge. Well, I yeah.
2: liked a ghost story. This and is I Loved this one. Okay.
3: I've not seen a ghost story, so I can't. I think like you is can that just with take
0: Casey it.
2: Affleck. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: I hate that movie. <laughs> Hate's a strong word. I think it's, yeah, a, I why, think it's a total it? bore.
2: <laughs> I think it's kind of beautiful. You know, he's waiting around for oh, God. Say, come on, man. Have a... The have only a person that makes any
0: sense in that movie is Will Oldham complaining about... I do like Will Oldham in there. <laughs> Life is nothing. This is Who so cares? much better,
2: though. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
3: I mean, just... I mean, it's just so much fun to look at. Okay. I mean, he's wandering through these forests, and they're You know, there, it's like he comes upon this woman in a shack who's like someone a man came and chopped my head off and threw it in the <laughs> pond so you need to go get it for yeah, me yeah it's like
2: episodic and it's like mm-hmm. it's weird and it has a, like quite a few funny moments and actually by the end it like is emotionally affecting which mm-hmm. I I thought it was just gonna be kind of this art thing to look at and by the end I was like oh shit like that's what it means to be a hero I get and like yeah so the themes ah. resonated and it's just, like, gorgeous. to look. So, Ooh. yeah, I mean, definitely check it out. Yeah. So this is
3: in theaters? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, I think it came out maybe last week. That sounds like a two. cool movie to see in theaters. Yes. yes. I w- yeah, I would definitely recommend seeing it in the theater. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Well, there won't be any epic heroism in the movies we're talking about later. <laughs> this is more like the uh, everyday stuffing the donuts in the box oh, yeah. kind of episode. <laughs> uh, we're talking about four movies in which characters... Sit in a room or walk around and talk. We're just talking one long conversation. <laughs> that's the whole movie. <laughs> so
2: if that's your thing. I mean, you're
0: listening to a podcast, so right? You can listen to people talk for two yeah, hours. Yeah,
3: that also feels like exhaustingly meta. That like, right? <laughs> a conversation about a movie about a conversation. Anyway, I. Yeah. it's gonna be good. It'll be yes, good. Yes,
1: it will.
0: And all that's coming up to you right, right now. now. Okay. Yes. We are bored. We're all bored now. But has it ever occurred to you, Wally, that the process that creates this boredom that we see in the world now may very well be a self-perpetuating, unconscious form of brainwashing created by a world totalitarian government based on money and that all of this is much more dangerous than one thinks? And it's not just a question of individual survival, Wally, but that somebody who's bored is asleep and somebody who's asleep will not say no.
3: I want to talk a little bit about why... This was my selection um, movies about conversations. So I've always loved a movie that somebody else in this group picked um, before Sunrise. Recently, I saw a movie that reminded me of that movie called The Sleepless, which is about, we did not w- watch this for this podcast. It's this movie about these two millennials who are like up late at night and they're walking around having this conversation about like intersectionality and gender and mental health and i did not like this movie at all i thought it was like really taxing and boring and then i thought you like what what really makes a movie about two people having a conversation good like that it's a risky idea to me you know it it just all banks on the conversation that these people have the chemistry these people have and if you can pull that kind of movie off i just think that's um, pretty incredible. So I wanted to kind of, you know, take a look at other movies that did that. Uh, the movie that I picked is one that I've never seen before, uh, My Dinner with Andre, which I know is a movie that Roger Ebert really loved. It's like, I think, the quintessential example of this kind of movie. Definitely. So it's also just a little bit of housekeeping for myself. <laughs> so My Dinner with Andre was released in 1981. It was directed by um, Louis Malley. Ma mom? ma, ma-, ma-, Ye? ma- I, Ye? Okay. I never knew how to
2: pronounce
0: his name. He's but. a pretty yeah.
2: famous yeah. director who I th- yeah, didn't he just like read the script and he was like, I need to direct yeah, right. this movie.
0: He did uh Black Moon, which you watched for movie of the month oh. back in the day. The one about the unicorn and the Oh yeah. Yeah, Ooh. that one's fucked up. That was an <laughs> That was an awesome movie. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And he
0: did um Pretty Baby, which is another fucked up movie oh. from that era. Oh. yeah
3: yeah Yeah. this is like not a fucked up movie no not really (laughs) (laughs) i i think of black moon all the time actually it just like pops up but i can never remember what it's truly magical yeah beautiful um so but the meat of this movie is in the script Mm -hmm. um because direction wise it's basically this conversation between andre gregory and wallace sean they're playing like kind of not fictionalized versions of themselves, but, exaggerated. Yeah, exaggerated versions of themselves. They're old friends that haven't met in a while. Um, Andre Gregory has—he was a pretty famous director. Then he kind of like goes off the radar. He stops directing. He gets into all of this um, nonsense, um, and he's <laughs> meet, meeting with Wallace Shawn at this like pretty nice French restaurant.
0: And, and in real life. Um, he directed Wallace Shawn's first play. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, it is, like, a very real dynamic between yeah. the two of them.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. Th- yeah, and they were both part of that, like, kind of surreal theater scene in New York. It's, mm-hmm. like, at- off, off,
0: off-Broadway. <laughs> right. 80s, like, no budget, doing the real work. Uh, yeah, and that's a lot of
2: what Andre goes into in the first, you know, right. unbroken monologue. <laughs> 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 yeah,
3: The f- so, Andre, yeah, Andre's talks non-stop for the first half of this movie he's talking about this like writing retreat that he has in poland with like and he had these like very specific requirements for the people in this um retreat like they they had to speak no english they had to be questioning questioning the theater um between the ages of like i don't know i think it was like 20 something and 40 uh, they all had to play musical instruments so the, he ha- he hosts this like very like quakerish kind of theater retreat and then he he like goes to the sahara desert because he wants to write a play about the little prince which he like he refers to it at some point as this like oily like ss like gre- <laughs> greasy play yeah he talks like about uh, nazis a lot yeah
0: what do you call that like um galaxy brain takes on like what the little prince represents yeah just like like big picture overthinking like it's like right. political implications
3: yeah and that's kind of his mo through i mean he's just like bouncing from from thing he like has this japanese monk staying in his house for um six months he like talks about this hallucination of a blue like minotaur man in church he's on some wild shit and Wally pretty much l- just lets him talk, and then in the last half of the film, they find some common ground in like what they perceive as the the sleepiness of people in the world. Now, how we've been like kind of brainwashed, and our minds have been dulled by media and the the overarching powers that be. But but it becomes pretty clear that Wally is like pretty content living as a human being, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I mean, he's basically just uh, like a modern humanist, like, you know, I'm happy to wake up in the morning and I have my to-do list. And Andre is like in, in La La Land. But I, I was like, honestly pretty bored by the, (laughs) (laughs) by the first half. I think when they start getting into an actual discussion, it becomes a lot more interesting. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I think there's, like, a very specific moment, too, when it turns dark, kind of, where Andre starts talking about, like, you know, being buried alive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the tone shifts where it's like, oh, shit, like, he's talking about his mother dying. He's on some heavy shit all of a sudden. Right.
0: The major change, really, is, like, Wallace Sean goes into this conversation content or intent to have a meal and listen to this guy babble. He
2: says he wants to interview him. Just yeah, ask him he's questions. He's like, I have
0: nothing to say to this cuckoo person I used to know. I'm just going to listen to him talk and enjoy the food and then go home and not get involved. And you can just watch him get wound up and wound up listening <laughs> to this guy for yeah. the first hour. And then he snaps and starts pushing back. Yeah. And that's when the movie like really like comes alive is like, when he starts like being like, No, no one lives like this. (laughs) You are out of your fucking gourd if you think anyone could possibly live like this unless they're a millionaire. And that's like the main difference between them is like, well, is still a broke, uh, just artist who's getting by day to day, like a working class
2: writer. But but is he, though? Because he does say in the beginning, like, it seems like he comes from money. He might have been born to money and gone to nice schools, but he like
0: his small comforts in the world are like. His electric blanket that keeps him from freezing <laughs> right. to death,
2: oh, and God. just enjoys like eating breakfast Andre in the morning and reading
0: blanket. the paper. Yeah, his cold cup of coffee, as long as a cockroach hasn't died in it overnight, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's like his favorite, yeah. like joy he has in his life every day.
3: Yeah, and and in his, you know, he has a little segment in the beginning where he's he's narrating over his walk to the restaurant, and he, you know, it's clear that he looks at. Directing and acting as a means of making money. Like that is. You have it, to, though,
0: right? Right.
3: No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't mean that as like a criticism. It's like that is the pragmatic reality of his life.
0: That's my favorite quote in the whole movie is when he's like, When I was young, I used to just think about art and music all day. Now I'm 36, and all I think about is money. <laughs> and I totally relate to that. It's yeah. like, I hate that. I just am conscious of how much things cost, how much easier the lives are of people who like have more money
2: than me. Brandon, I totally agree with you. And I feel like that is why my love, like, okay, we watched this in college. I remember like, I probably saw this when I was like 19 and it like really struck me at the time where I was like, Oh wow, this is such a deep, important film about like, modern life and this and that and like I hate to say but watching it now as a 35 year old man like my appreciation of it has like diminished greatly really yeah to where I'm like this is some pretentious nonsense and this sounds like a lot of conversations I had in college with arts majors where we would talk about philosophy of art and this and that and like at the end of the day it's kind of bullshit and I i would say that
0: same thing about a movie we'll talk about later
2: <laughs> where like when
0: I was younger I thought it was very deep and intellectual Now I'm like oh these are cute 20 somethings who have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> in, in this movie I find them hilarious like this is a hilarious parody of that
2: exact mindset. Well maybe so I think my original take on it was like these ideas are really interesting and there's a lot to dig into philosophically and watching it now it's like this is more a film about friendship, like old friends that you don't see for years. And at first you're just like, okay, I got to tolerate this person for an evening. And as time goes on, you like engage with them. And Mm -hmm. then you're like, like Brandon said, you're pushing back on their ideas. And like, just to connect with another human being and talk about ideas is what the film's actually about. I don't think it's really about the ideas themselves.
1: That's that's how I viewed it. It was just a movie. I didn't really like pay that much attention to any kind of like philosophical aspect of mm-hmm. it. I mean, that kind of stuff just goes over my head in general. <laughs> <laughs> um Especially, I'm just—I'm always so tired. I'm like, I can't. <laughs> I just can't. Well, Andre hour. is exhausted. Yeah, that first uh, hour yeah. is
2: so exhausting It's supposed even, to be.
1: Like watching this, I'm like, God, I've had so many dinners like this where I've been on both ends. Like sometimes, <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean, like sometimes yeah, yeah. I'm the person that's like talking nonstop for an that's hour, yeah. and then finally, when my ass pauses, which I did love how like when andre kind of stops or when you get that breather and i even like went like huh is Thank when God. they get a little corner chance when the dinner is actually served mm-hmm. and i'm like this happens to me all the time and then finally the food comes and i'm like shit i've been talking for so long and then that's when the other person starts contributing and then i've i've had dinners where i'm i'm the per i'm like you know wally and right. i'm like jesus mm-hmm. christ i want to go home <laughs> You know, I have to pee so bad, and you know, you think of all this kind of stuff. So I, I, I thought that was so funny, and I loved how the moments where you've got the big bushy eyebrowed waiter just looking like, get out this restaurant, please. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's so funny. Like those were so comical.
0: I think that's another major class issue in this film too. Is like, Andre Gregory does not recognize that waiter exists. Like he's like a piece yeah, of furniture totally. that delivers your food. And Wallace Shawn keeps exchanging glances with him, and he's reading the frustration in the waiter's face and the exasperation, like, oh, this guy ever shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like, they keep exchanging glances. So they're on the same level, whereas, like, and that's such a subtle difference between the two of them. And they're
1: the last people in the restaurant. Oh, God. So I literally had this situation um, with, like, a family dinner we had at, like, Cote Su on Maple Street, where, like... I just remember the conversation was ending and my aunt was like, I'm just going to sell pictures of my weird ass nipple for a living. And then I turn around. And I'm like, Oh, like the restaurant is closed. Yep. <laughs> and it's just the staff that are like fixing the tablecloths. Right. And they are like, can y'all get the fuck out of here, please. And I'm like, God, this is such the, a dinner with Andre. Molly, right. You I mean, know?
2: this is like the definition of a pretentious film. Is it not? I disagree with that a little bit. It's anti-pretension. It it is about a it's, pretentious
0: <laughs> it's person. Yeah, so
1: pretentious. I, it's I think it's I mean sometimes that happens. I think
3: they like make Andre's pretension pretty clear and like uh, like palpable and especially in his interactions with the because he's talking about this like these high ideas he like is just going to um Scotland and he's going to Norway and like he's bragger. in the forest and like ah oh, this beautiful forest you'd never imagine this beautiful forest it has like all of these opportunities and all this money and i mean and, and talking about how like a modern life isn't worth living but but he has the resources to live in whatever way he wants to live and then he also like has the money to go to this lovely french restaurant he has like the, i mean he knows the menu up and down he's he like speaking in perfect right he's speaking in perfect french like and i the way that he interacts with the waiter it's like like the, the waiter comes and there's like a like a stiffness in like okay i'm gonna allow this guy to do what he needs to do and then he's gonna leave you know and it's just like something that i've seen so often in situations where someone has a lot of money and a lot of power so it's it's like mm-hmm. wally is like Okay, but there are these like very real comforts of just being alive and being a human being and living in the way that most people can afford to live. Like it's it was like so infuriating. Like Andre was just drove me crazy. Like and the, and he can't even recognize that his ideology is like inaccessible to 80% of people.
0: What's hilarious to me is like I have seen this movie a bunch of times across my life. And I think in college and in high school, watching it on like the IFC channel, I sit there like holding my chin, like "Mm, this is very (laughs) interesting Ah. stuff, but not really absorbing what it's doing. Just like, I want to feel smart watching it. And then I watched it a few years ago, maybe like five years ago. And I thought Wally is like the hero of this movie. (laughs) Like, even though Andre is rambling on the whole time you watch, Wallace Shawn's face is like this like treasure trove of like reaction gifs. Like mm-hmm. every ridiculous thing Andre says, Wally's face is like, "What the fuck are you saying?" Like yeah. there's always like some registered reaction to every beat this in This is the, story. the the
1: gif we didn't know we needed.
0: It's a million gifs. Yeah, yeah, so many of them. Yeah, every Wallace Shawn gif people share is the inconceivable one from uh Princess Bride. Right, this uh, should be it. This though. should this should be it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but watching it now Like, now that I'm closer to his age, even just in this like five years, I find him just as ridiculous as Andre. And I feel like I'm being mocked and I'm being (laughs) laughed at. And it's fucking hilarious. Like, when he finally snaps and he's like, I just want my cold cup of coffee without the cockroach in it. I just want to write my little plays and sleep under my little electric blanket. (laughs) And basically he's a fucking coward. Yeah. And he's not living life in any way he's just like automatically going through his day as a series of like tasks and that is me like i am doing his exact shtick
2: but i feel like neither one of them is the hero on the one hand you have the new age out there space case who's not grounded in reality and then you have the like the kantian enlightened man who just sort of wants to live his day and live in peace yeah both of them are like Kind of cowards in their own way, so I don't. You know, in a way, I don't think either one of them are like they're both ridiculous. Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah I think while Sean has is this bit where he says like it's like human nature to be productive. It's like it, there's no good reason to sit and do nothing. No, he's you know? like
2: bought into the machine, right? Totally. So they're both, you know, at fault. I what I find interesting about it is like it came out. It I don't think it did well initially, but then. There was all this critical praise. You know, Ebert said it was the best movie of the year. Mm -hmm. And then it started to gain some traction from like, honestly, from like the elites. The elite critics said like, this is a great film. Go and watch it. And then it started to make some money. I don't quite know what to make of that.
0: It's been parodied and like homaged. And I mean, there's a... um there's a pro wrestling version with uh, Andy Kaufman that he did around the time of his pro wrestling yeah,
2: documentary. With Freddie Blassie. Is yeah. Right? Yeah. My yeah. my breakfast with Blassie. Yeah. And,
0: <laughs> there's like a, a Simpsons joke. There's like a, my dinner with Andre arcade game. And like, I don't know the, the, the movie has like a really strong cultural footprint for a movie. That's just two super pretentious dudes talking <laughs> over like an expensive dinner. It's wild.
2: Yeah. I, I think a lot of why it got so much critical praise too, is it, did seem very specific to like the early '80s in New York and that like theater cultural scene. So it's kind of like a time capsule of that as well. And you get those shots of Wallace Shawn traveling to and from dinner, and you just get a
0: really strong whiff of how disgusting New York was at the time. <laughs> just like graffiti
2: and like oh, garbage yeah, water, that and subway was just covered. He looks so smog. cold,
1: like <laughs> night smog. Night I want smog. To see that? Yeah, <laughs> I want my blanket. It reminded me a lot of um, Arthur when Arthur's in his like car going through New York in the movie. Like that's that was just Wallace Shawn instead. <laughs>
3: and living in was cheap cap. back then. Like
0: artists could support themselves. Yeah, and that's where you have like so much good punk music from the late '70s and early '80s out of that city because basically everyone else abandoned the city, and like <laughs> all these like young artists with like big dreams made cheap art. This movie was written as a play. And Mm -hmm. then this, like y'all said, this famous director like attached himself to it, and the production was done by Lloyd Kaufman and Troma, um, kind of for free—not for free, but like for cheap. They're, yeah, Troma's always cheap, but they're like, I want to see this get made, So Yeah, pitch in, you know. hmm. Um, And yeah, what is it about it that makes it?
2: Because it really is just this guy rambling for an hour. I feel like I've been rambling for an hour trying (laughs) to make. I I, I feel like because there was nothing like it up until that point on yeah. actual
1: because fi- this is essentially a play like every time i've seen a play like this yeah is it. like it's a conversation
2: the only thing that makes it filmic though it, like i did notice the director cuts at like pretty cool times in the conversation like you're oh, yeah. lulled into like these two people statically talking and when he does cut to that reaction shot or to the shot of the waiter. It means something, you know?
1: Yeah, the brakes are super smart.
2: Yeah, the brakes are smart. I think what I appreciated most about it was kind of like Brandon touched on. I feel like at every stage in your life, when you watch it, you're going to have a different reaction to it. You know, 19-year-old me thought, oh, that's deep. Like, well, yeah, what he's saying about, like, we're living the theater and we're all playing roles. Like, yeah, that's true. And now I, like, look at it and I kind of side more with Wally. But then, like you said, I he also is kind of pathetic. <laughs> and I've also fallen into routine as well. So there is no protagonist here. <laughs> and maybe we're... You, so I don't know. Like, So you got
1: to like watch... Just watch this like every decade.
3: Well,
2: right. Every decade, you know. you're going to like interpret it differently. And that's yeah. pretty interesting.
3: I think that also holds true for before sunrise like these types of movies because it's about particular ideas or ideologies your relationship with what those people are talking about and your relationship with the kinds of people that are having those conversations in these movies like change pretty drastically over time i think that's another i've only seen this one time but i think that's something else that i like about these kinds of movies it Mm -hmm. like really it was interacting with what I think and who I am and what I think about these things right now, and I know that that's going to change in like ten years. So it's it's like the movie is always changing as you're as you're getting. Well, older. I think
2: one more thing that makes this one stand out too that I touched on earlier is like all the other ones we're going to talk about are male female, some kind mm-hmm. of romantic yeah. angle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice to see two. Male friends I like that dynamic of just friendship. Yeah, I don't feel like you get enough films that are really just about friends and you know, old friends and that that's what makes this one unique in the Ford that we're gonna talk about.
3: And it also captures like I feel like it's way easier now to keep up with your old friends throughout your life, but in this movie they were friends maybe a decade before. And then, like, they separated. And clearly, their paths in life have diverged drastically. Mm -hmm. And now they're, like, meeting together again. And what they have in common is this history that they have. But they, you know, they haven't kept in close enough contact to really understand how each person has developed. So it's like this clashing of two very different people. But it's still organic, They never would have necessarily had this conversation if they hadn't been reconnecting. I think that's cool.
0: You know, I believe if there's any kind of God, it wouldn't be in any of us.
1: Not you or me,
0: but just this little space in between. If there's any kind of magic in this world, it must be in the attempt of understanding someone sharing something. (sighs) I know, it's almost impossible to succeed, but who cares, really? The answer must be in the attempt.
2: The movie I picked, which I had never seen before, is a 1995 romantic, well, not a comedy, romance Drama? Drama. Yeah. There's some Um, funny parts. It is funny. It's everything. (laughs) But uh, directed by Richard Linkletter, it is called Before Sunrise, part of a trilogy. Again, a trilogy I've never seen, which I now want to see the other two movies to see what happens. But it stars Ethan Hawke and... Julie Delpy. Julie Delpy. I'm obsessed with her. She's She's so gorgeous. beautiful. Um, Yeah. They're both like... The exact, like,
0: thing a teenager would fall in love with in the 90s. Yeah. Like, he's, like, a greasy bad boy. Oh, and She's, yeah. like, you know, a well-read French, like, <laughs> Right, hipster. like, the, the loose yeah.
2: curly hair. Well, and, and so they meet on this train. They're both traveling from Budapest. He is traveling to Vienna to catch a plane back home to America. She is going back home to Paris where she's a student. And they just kind of casually meet on the train and just start talking and he propositions her uh, and says, Hey, like, why don't like, uh, there's obviously a connection mm-hmm. from very early on. And that's something that will carry the movie all the way through. It's just, these two have such chemistry together. It's magnetic. And he's like, look, you're probably going to end up marrying a guy Uh, And you're going to wonder like about the other guys you could have been with and what could have been. So why don't you just spend this day with me in Vienna and you can think back on me when you're with your future husband. And the rest of the film is really just, you know, like the theme of this podcast is just these two characters talking. They talk about family. They talk about religion. Obviously, you talk about love, sex. Art, philosophy. Art, philosophy. Mm -hmm. It's all that. And it's just them kind of going to these different spots in Vienna, having these little interactions with the people in the town. And you get this sense that even though they're together for one day, that they are kind of falling in love with each other. And so this film kind of really took me. I knew I was going to like it. I Just I dig these kind of movies and once I felt the chemistry between them, I was like, oh my God, if I would have saw this when I was a teenager, this (laughs) probably would have been one of my favorite movies. But even watching it now, it really, to me, it perfectly captured that period of early college where you're still trying to figure out your life. You don't quite have it figured out. You have these like kind of loose philosophies but you're kind of unclear about what you want and just watching these two beautiful people (laughs) just kind of fall for each other. They have insane charisma. I won't really say that like any particular conversation is like that deep or interesting. And I think that's sort of the point is that they're fucking 19. Yeah. They don't know what they want. They don't really even know what they think, but you can feel like there's a great scene where they go to a record store And they're going into the listening booth and they're both glancing at each other and they can feel their eyes on each other. Oh, my God. It just gives me chills just thinking about it. And out of all these films we're going to talk about, I feel like this is the one that has the most truly romantic chemistry. And that's like what I loved. I mean, it's no from Justin to Kelly, but. Right,
1: <laughs> but why I think that the romance comes across as like more genuine is because like they're not like lovey dovey throughout the film at all. Like in some, towards the end a little bit, but they're they're not like holding each other and like making out all the time. Like in mm-hmm. a lot of other movies, like they're just kind of like, hey, like, and I feel like that's kind of more realistic. As you find someone you have like really good conversations with, and you're like, oh, it's kind of cool, kind of vibing with it. And two so like, yeah.
2: not to have sex in the end oh i think they actually have sex yeah Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: totally yeah but there's a lot of stolen glances and like smirking Mm -hmm. and they're like kind of shy and embarrassed about wanting to look at each other like very intently but like they're confident about everything else yeah they have like very solid confidence about their philosophies on things even though what they're saying is like not very well thought out (laughs) they're just kind of like I anyway, know it's that thing where you're like twenty and you think you know everything, right?
3: Yeah, yeah like they've you know they're kind of parroting probably what they've heard in classes or like they've they've heard they heard yeah. a talk and they're saying exactly what they heard, but it, but but they're yeah they're like bouncing these kind of half thought ideas off of each other and the connection that they have there is like very real and palpable.
0: That's the one thing that changed for me. Like we were just talking about with my dinner with Andre. Like as you get older. You know, like, when I was around that age, I found this very aspirational. I was like, oh, I would love to just, like, go around to cafes and have, like, deep conversations. Uh. And, you know, they seem so cool. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm in my 30s, I look back and it's, like, nostalgic. Like, yeah. Like, it seems, like, kind of yeah. quaint. Like, right. to think that well, these very experiences naive. are so important.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Ethan Hawke's character, Jesse, is, like, the cynic. And, and you know, I identify, I identify with his character so much because I'm like, yep, that's kind of... The dude I was, and mm-hmm. that's why I want to see. I haven't seen the other two films, so I want to see how it, they progress as like a couple.
0: You know, people like that second one a lot more than this one sometimes, and I have not Before bothered sunset. with. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I've
2: never bothered
0: with that one. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I watched that one. I didn't bother with the third because it kind of cheapened this one to me. Like, mm-hmm. I like that this is like a moment in time. Yeah, It is like yeah. a short-lived experience. And they're just sort of anonymous teenagers. Like, they are they have a certain, certain amount of, like, privilege to be able to sort of, like, wander around like mm-hmm. this. But, like, for the most part, they're just, like, just sort of everyday kids. And then later, for the contrivance of them having to get together again, like, one has to be, like, a sort of famous writer and the other one's getting into, like, politics. And, like, they stop being anonymous and become important people. Yeah. And I feel like that robs this movie of its magic. Like, I like that they're just sort of, like, just normal kids like there's nothing really special about them
3: so i actually i haven't seen the second one but i have seen the third one weird yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i do think it's just like a totally like taking all three together is more like scenes from a marriage you know Mm -hmm. like that watching this relationship change over time although i think scenes from a marriage does like get the anonymous part Better because they're still basically regular people as they're going through. But yeah, there's just something special about this kind of like flash of a moment in Vienna together. It's like they're two totally separate things to me. Like I I like both ideas, but I also don't want I, I, I do agree with you that like that kind of spark of the first one is impacted by the other films.
0: Yeah. And you already get that context of like how it would change if they actually spent their lives together. Mm-hmm. Cause the first scene of the movie, the reason they meet in the first place, is because there's a German couple bickering on the train. Yeah. Right. And they've totally. been together forever. And like you get to see like how basically every relationship progresses. Like those two people might love each other very much, but like after a while you get on each other's nerves right. and have like when they, yeah, they and they open. an argument. Like, Talk
2: right. about that too. Like what is the thing that would annoy you? over time yeah, and like i could see it both ways like on the one hand yeah i'm interested as a viewer like what would they look like in their 40s if they decide to try to make it work and on the other hand it's like this beautiful magical Mm -hmm. one-off thing in vienna and okay yeah you might say like we'll meet up in six months but then you know it probably won't happen and that's fine yeah Mm
3: -hmm. yeah they're they have that conversation you know what would drive me you crazy about me and and they keep referring to like oh maybe you know love isn't supposed to work out like i've never seen love work before and maybe we should just like this should just be a one-time thing and but it's just this like irresistible pull when you're so into somebody it's like impossible to let it live so they're like at the train station At the, they're trying to say goodbye and then they're like I don't want to never see you again I don't want to never see you again either you know it's like even though you know that this is going to sour in some way like you just can't help yourself and I think that that arc is told perfectly in the first movie right.
1: I mean I've seen all of them but like I couldn't honestly tell you much about like the two sequels they're but, not as
0: interesting right
1: right And I I remember seeing this one probably more, of course, like more than the others, but I just like loved it. I don't know. I still had the same feeling watching it as an older person too. Just kind of like, oh, look at, look how much fun they're having. Like, hanging around vienna with like not spending any money just like chilling having conversations yeah. like this is fun yeah um, And i just still looked at it as like oh it's fun i'd do that
3: yeah <laughs> like they go in a metal bar and then they like yeah. playing pinball and like talking about their exes and then right they, they like convince a guy to give them a bottle of wine
1: and i just love how the background too like plays such a big yeah role in this movie i don't know i
3: love yeah, that like the fortune teller and then the poet what well, i love yeah. the scene
2: at the cafe where you're watching the other people talk in German. You know, you don't know what they're talking about, but you get a sense like, yeah, other people are kind of creating connections.
3: Yeah, all around too, them. But and then there's that American who's like, if if this person lived in New York, they would be fired immediately. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, kind of the, the weight. Yeah.
2: But, I, you know, if we're talking about like what makes a movie with just two people talking work, well, obviously insane charisma right. or insane chemistry mm-hmm. helps. Being hot. Yeah, being super right. hot and <laughs> having chemistry together, like
1: effortlessly, <laughs>
2: that that's a big part of it. And I think this, like, the script perfectly captures exactly mm-hmm. that moment in time.
0: I think another thing is like it has to be so well written for just the dialogue to carry your attention the whole time. Yes. yes, but it also has to feel spontaneous as if it's an actual conversation. Right. Where like my dinner with Andre feels like a stage play the whole time. And that's fine. It it, it works. Even in the though stage the acting play.
2: is good, it feels like this actor memorized his lines very mm-hmm. well.
0: This feels spontaneous, even though it is like overthought because these characters talk like pretentious. Like I want to come off seeming smart at the yeah. end of this conversation. Yeah,
1: I'm and curious you it. about like how much of it was improvised.
2: Well, yeah. apparently, I was you reading need a commentary. That the two of them, the two main <laughs> actors, actually rewrote large parts of the script oh really oh wow and they didn't get a screenwriting credit in the first movie but in the two sequels they did so they had a big part in sitting down and like working on their dialogue so it feels organic in that way yeah
3: it kind of it branches very organically and like things that come up in one conversation will kind of like creep up later like you know it's it's not just like a discreet like this topic and that topic and that topic and then they have these sweet moments like one one part that i really love is when they're in the cafe and they're pretending to call like their friends to let them know that like they're not going to be able to meet up the next day because they're with this like cool person you know and i feel like they're both a little more vulnerable in that and they're also like that's their opportunity to kind of say like oh yeah he's really cool i don't know how he feels about me but you know it's like they're they're Mm -hmm. just like talking about their feelings in this veiled way that's super sweet like i just love those like kind of pretentious conversations with this like very genuine kind of like love bursting young
1: love bursting up yeah they weren't obnoxious Mm -hmm.
3: no they were
2: smart and educated but they yeah they weren't I wouldn't actually call it that pretentious. I mean, they were just... I mean... A little bit. They were just college educated. In they're- It's just that thing where, like,
0: when you're 19, you feel like you have the whole world figured yeah, out, and all course. the phonies who are older than you don't yeah. get it. Like, <laughs> right. yeah, it's but that.
2: Weren't we all there? Oh, for yeah, sure. Oh, totally. I made that. me
0: nostalgic for feeling like right. you know, I was connected to the universe in some significant way. Right. Now I'm just, like, happy when my cold cup of coffee doesn't have a cockroach <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in it. <there. laughs>
1: <laughs> my God. But yeah, I, I, love, I love Julie Delpy, and... I mean, she's obviously awesome in this movie, but if y'all kind of like her vibe, her like two-day movies, have you seen any of those? No. Like Two Days in Paris and Two Days in New York? Mm-mm. She wrote them, directed them, produced them, acted in it, and even like composed the soundtrack. yeah well, She sings a song
0: in the sequel to this, right? Yeah. Cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, she's just like this super like multi-talented person, and like, I really love Two Days in Paris and Two Days in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of like more like the rom-com side, which I love but what you know kind of watching those more so than like the before trilogies mm-hmm. and like kind of going back and watching this and seeing her so young and it's just I don't know like she's just so like effortless and like her acting and just like maneuvering through the screen and in life it's just mm-hmm. she's just this Gorgeous. like mystery of like a, a human being.
3: yeah she's like this beautiful wisp of like French. Like, but she's also very, like, strong and subtle. Like, I love her character in this movie. She's, like, so sweet and, you know, she has this beautiful French accent and then she's like, my ex-boyfriend was a piece of shit and he he didn't... Uh, you know he, he was bad at fucking and he was bad at this you know I don't know she's just like a strong opinion just a cool person and I love
1: how she has um like matted train hair for the whole movie totally. where I'm like <laughs> it's so realistic like yeah mm-hmm. your hair's gonna look like shit her hair looks like shit but it looks amazing at the same time right but I thought that was cool like it, just the they're both kind of I don't know so natural looking too
0: I gotta say she's like easy to love yeah I don't usually like Ethan Hawke. And I usually oh, don't I like Ethan care Hawk. about Richard Linklater either. Like, these yeah, are two he's not people, my favorite
2: director at all.
0: They have this whole like Gen X slacker vibe. Uh, Jim Jarmusch annoys me like this too. Where like they have all the resources and like talent in the world. And like what they do with it is so uninteresting. It's like just kind of hangout
2: movies where it's like very cool posturing. Like I mean Gen yeah. X slacker I Me mean, literally did a movie called Slacker. Oh, God. <laughs> where it's just people, weird people in Austin, you know, having conversations with each other and then did Dazed and Confused, yeah, which is like a cult classic. I don't really care about it. Like um, this one, it actually works.
0: The chemistry is just on fire. Yeah. Like, it's, it's electric watching them
2: connect. What I, I don't care for with him. And I, I've never seen Boyhood. But, I hated boring. Boyhood. But it's like, he <laughs> loves his stuff of like, I'm going to take the same actors and stay with them for three decades and come back every yeah. 10 years. And that's what the before it did trilogy it better. feels yeah. like. Yeah. I mean, I remember watching Boyhood in the theater. I think that's when I
0: turned on both of them. Is like, I don't have to keep going seeing movies from people I don't care about. Right. Like, why am I putting
3: in
2: this effort? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But he does a good job in this one. Yeah, this is a great movie. Yeah.
3: Oh, he's so young, so so greasy. And I will say, like, you know, the conversations that they have are not necessarily, they're, they're pretty, like, superficially intellectual, but I still connect with them, especially that there's that scene where she, I think they're just sitting in an alleyway and she's saying, like, you know, if God exists, then it's the space between us, like, trying to find connection with another person and even though it's like almost impossible to do that and that's such a like cliche idea but it's still i don't know like it's still impacted me because i like part of me is still like 20 years old and has these, like, you <laughs> well, that, know like that's
2: I why mean, i love it like, would
0: suck to lose that forever right
2: you know? yeah that's why i love like ethan Hawke's little thing about the souls like well if, you know we have Seven billion people on the planet right now, and thousands of years ago we only had one million. Where'd all these extra souls come from? Like, that's some bullshit, cynical, <laughs> like, deep thought that I would have had in like high school. It's a
0: high idea. You have that idea when you're stoned. Yeah, <laughs> <like, laughs> sounds smart. Where'd all these extra
2: souls come from? Man? I like. There were moments like that. where like, yeah, I get these characters. Yeah. Like, yeah. My dinner with Andre
0: and. Before Sunrise, those are like the two like staples of the genre. Those are the mm-hmm. two that like you have to see if you want to watch a one long conversation movie. I think the other two we picked are a little more esoteric. Mm-hmm. The one I picked was from 1994. It's called What Happened Was, and it premiered at Sundance. I think every one of these movies premiered at Sundance except for My Dinner with Andre. The rest were all Sundance movies, and you could see that like low budget indie filmmaking aesthetic in these just mm-hmm. cause it is like just people talking in a room. Like you don't have to spend that much money on this and the movie, uh, what happened was won the Sundance jury prize and got sold to a major studio for like a significant chunk of money and just flopped in the theater. Cause you could tell the company that bought it was like, we're going to buy this indie movie festival thing and it's going to make us a bunch of money. Great buzz. They had no idea what to do with it. If you watch the trailer, it's marketed as this thriller where it looks like um, Tom uh, Noonan is going to murder the woman that is? he's on a date with. <laughs> I
2: mean, um, I
1: thought he was for a while.
2: He is strange.
1: Um, <laughs> he would be very uncomfortable. I Me,
2: mean, you know, he plays like the villain in Manhunter. He's known as like... Like last action cre- hero. Creepy yeah, guy. he plays Jack yeah. the Ripper in that. Creepy yeah. guy, yeah. Ray Gaunt.
0: So Tom Noonan wrote this movie. And he, yeah, he usually is a character actor who plays like villainous roles because he's like a bald pasty looking creep. He's creepy got looking, the look. Very yeah. bony. And the movie is creepy. I, I understand how if you have to market it, that would be the thing you jump on. But it is just a bad date. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this woman invites her coworker, who she barely speaks with but has that sort of like Jim and Pam uh, from the office mm-hmm. like rapport where they make like eye contact when someone says something ridiculous and she thinks they have an understanding in these like physical <laughs> interactions. She invites him over to eat microwaved scallops in like a shittily prepared oh my salad gosh, that white was white so sauce, goopy. Ah, so bad. <laughs> and they have terrible <laughs> conversations, mostly about a book he's writing at work in secret. Um, they work at a law firm, and he's a paralegal who should have moved on from this like low-level job years ago, but is writing this like self-important project. It's gonna be like a tell-all book that he swears he has a publisher um, that's gonna buy it and distribute it. And as the night goes on, it strips away that self-importance that he's actually doing something with his life and brings them to this like human level where they both realize that they're like just lonely, lonely New yeah. Yorkers who have like nothing else in the world except those small interactions at work. And he has to get over himself to recognize that she is making she's horny as hell in this movie <laughs> is making passes <laughs> at this like man who just is completely oblivious to her. And I want to get into what happens more a little bit later, but like yeah. this movie was bought as a major festival acquisition, failed, and basically disappeared. It's been like this, like only been in, available in like standard definition until recently off mm-hmm. of like a VHS rip and Which no one really shame, paid much attention it to it. It fucking gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. It's main champion was Charlie Kaufman, who mm-hmm. um, loves this film and has been, like, advocating for it to be, like, a cult classic since it came out. Yeah. And just this year, Oscilloscope restored it. Um, did this, like, whole 4K rescan of it. Like, it's actually in widescreen now. It looks great. It's currently on the Criterion channel. And people are talking about it more this year than ever. And... I had never heard of it before this year. Yeah, and it fucking blew me away. I like, oh
3: it. my god, so good, <laughs> so good fucking one. good.
0: And I think the pivotal scene where all the like terror comes through is when he finally stops talking about his book and his writing, and this like um, secretary, this executive assistant, as she likes to be yes. distinguished, says, "You know, I write things as well. I actually have been published. I have this like children's <laughs> book that I wrote." <laughs> And she reads him the first chapter and it is not a children's story. <laughs> it is this like deeply fucked up crime thriller about this like stripper hooking her way across the United States while this like mob guys are after her. And it's this hypnotic monologue that she tells where like the grisly details do disturb you. But it's hard to pay attention to what he's, she's saying because he stops being pretentious for a minute about his own shit and starts, like, sinking into the vibe that, like, something's wrong in this apartment. Mm-hmm. And, like, he senses that something might be living in her dollhouse. And, like, the rear window aspect of the house across the street. It's impossible to describe. Yeah, Just the vibes are off all of a sudden. And I felt like the floor just dropped out from under me. Like, yeah, totally. There's, like, this pit yes. in my stomach all of a sudden. And that's what good stage plays can do. Like, mm-hmm. a good Edward Albee play or, like... Mm-hmm. Any good like surrealist attacking the core of what's rotten about humanity plays, like do this exact thing this movie does. And yet, more so than I think any of these other films, especially like with this limited location, it's all in one apartment. It has the most dynamic camera work. Mm-hmm. It feels yeah. like when Freakin directs plays, like the camera moves around. Um, there's like these time-elapse
2: shots of like the day going by and like The shots of like looking into other people's apartments while they watch like staticky television and mm -hmm. the lighting of it. I get why Charlie Kaufman likes this. It's because it's better than
0: any Charlie Kaufman movie you've ever (laughs) seen. And it does his exact thing. It just like masterfully makes you feel uneasy in yourself and uneasy with reality and like just strips away all the layers of artifice and like two people talking to like just find two naked scared vulnerable people who are lonely and like really need each other at the core of it Ugh. it's just fucked up
1: yeah yeah the um the way that like this movie kind of starts out like this loft apartment with like purple walls and like a cat's musical poster i just re- like this is like oh i would kill to like live like that like it's it just being in new york and like i don't know like the the whole vibe is so cool and like that till tuesday song that plays in the beginning voices carry voices carry it's just, it's awesome, and
2: she's got her like uh, wardrobe closet yeah. with the mannequin. Yeah. It's like and- she
1: kind of mm-hmm. sacrificed having a room to have a wardrobe closet, which is great. You she still, sleeps like, on a sofa. Get that
0: she's alone in the world though, like because there's a radio yeah. news report about Kavorkian um, putting someone out of their misery for being too lonely, and then there's also like before yeah, she plays right. voices Carrie, um you get a very loud answering machine message saying that no one has called you today while you were at work like <laughs> she's very sad
1: it's just the movie like kind of sets all that up and i guess like i might have felt a little sad at some points like once like everything get when once he comes over and mm-hmm. the awkwardness that made me want to vomit It was just so hard. And I'm like, oh, God, this is not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be, like, two people having, like, a a philosophical conversation. Mm -hmm. In a sense, maybe. But that's not what happened. (laughs) And just the spiral. Watching the spiral and things just progressively get worse and worse. The pauses and them just trying to fill the pauses with, like, shit that doesn't make sense. And I'm like, oh, God, someone leave. Like, someone leave, please. And then when it gets to the point where she's like, you know, get the fuck out. And he just stands there. I'm like, why? Why? Like, all of it. I I just kept screaming. A big part, too, is, like,
2: the humor. Like, she thinks that he is funny and that he has a great sense of humor.
1: And he didn't smile. No, but, like,
2: he's awkward. But she, like, all the awkward pauses she tries to, like, work with him. Like, oh, yeah, you're being funny. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, he's not. Being funny. He's like having a terrible time interacting (laughs) as a human being, and she's like trying her best. You almost feel like he has one up on her in the beginning. Like she desperately wants to get Mm -hmm. with him, and she's willing to look past all his faults and explain away. Oh, it's just his sense of humor. And then, like you said, when she tells her story, reads her book, then it flips. Then we know like she has all the power. In this, yeah. And he's like, I, th- I think he even cries during her telling a story, yeah. like he's weeping, like, oh, shit, this guy's a fraud. And that is what ultimately comes out. Oh, it's like, yeah. Oof.
1: Who yeah. has a first date in their apartment? Like that also like freaked me out. <laughs> yeah, um, Go
2: to a coffee shop in the
0: daylight. Public. Yeah. yeah.
1: Not with that guy. <laughs> right. Oh, Lord.
0: Kind of feel oh. bad. I feel like I am him a little bit.
3: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, Tat- Yeah like in the beginning he was like oh you know how microwaves work and she i don't know I, I i feel like oh, he was gosh, yeah. making her feel a little stupid or like he's so insecure that he was just like rattling off these things that he knows and then and then at the end he's like everything i learned i learned from television i just <laughs> watch like <laughs> i just watch it? tv and i watch like, anything you, like that's read on. it
2: all from books and he's like yeah i i can't even get up the gumption to like read i just watch tv till i fall asleep he did
1: have that conversation i did relate where it's like i'll you know log off of work because i'm like working at Mm -hmm. home again and i'm like i'm gonna read a book i'm gonna draw something and then i'm like no i'm gonna sit down and watch tv and then go to bed watching tv and then i do the same thing over and over again like you get these aspirations to do things that are Mm -hmm. probably gonna be better for you in the long run and you don't And you started like crying and shit and i was like
3: Oh boy. See, the
0: part I related to is when he was at work, and she's like, You're always writing things in your little notebook, and you're so weird, and you laugh about things that no one else finds funny. <laughs> I'm like, And she calls, she's like, Everyone in the office calls you Mr. Strange. I'm like, That just, is definitely me oh at work. No. Do you have
1: a briefcase that's just full of notes.
0: <laughs> I have a little notebook that I uh, <laughs> write movie reviews in on my lunch break and shit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: well you do publish them
0: well yeah self published on the internet is basically yeah. not published <laughs> it's the same
2: thing
3: well i i mean i had the same reaction as you when she reads her story it's like i thought this is like an awkward date but i was still thinking of this movie in the context of like before sunrise and the like <clears throat> my dinner with andre and then this like bizarre like joyce carol oates story of like in the first sentence this mob guy is like he's getting a blowjob in the car Like, it, but this woman who is like he seems to have been looking down on a little bit throughout this story and has written this like totally grotesque like like disgusting fairy tale like suit i mean a super interesting well range yeah well-written yeah. story and she's like yeah i have a publisher and i you know i have a copy of the book and i haven't sold it to many it's like she she is lonely but she is totally making her way through life anyway it's like she understands how lonely she is and she understands that there is something keeping her from connecting with people but she is like continuing to do what she wants to do Mm -hmm. and that's something that he has totally failed to do he's just kind of like you know I think he says I just want somebody to tell me what to do (laughs) (laughs) like and I relate to both of them but more so to him like I feel like I have these these things that I want to do and I feel like they're not you know not good enough and I just come home and I'll watch an episode or something and then and then it's like time to go to bed. And I don't know. I was just so impressed with her as a person.
2: Yeah. It's like she knows what she wants and he doesn't. And he's, no, con- mm-hmm. no, even with like being with her, it's like he kisses her at one point. It's kind of awkward. And then mm-hmm. they have this big blow up and then he's sort of unsure. Like, well, do you, can I take you out? Next, yeah, you week? want to go on a second. You want to date? go on a second date? And she's he's like, like, "After
1: he implies
0: that <laughs> right. it wasn't a date, no." And she's of, like, yeah. "Do you
2: really want that? Maybe you want to think about it." Like he yeah. doesn't even know, and that's like, that's even more tragic. I
0: think she even says like when she finally blows up on him, like you pretend you don't know what's going on, but you do. I don't think he does. I think no, he's he like does. on a completely different wavelength she, than her. She's
2: still giving him too much credit, right? Exactly. I don't think yeah. he really knows. Like, am I attracted to her? Do I want to be in a relationship with her?
0: The perfect example is, you know, she's been lobbing these, like, passes at him. Like, basically, she wants to get these microwave scallops out of the way so they can immediately go fuck in her bed. Like, that's (laughs) mainly what she wants here. And he's just not fielding any of those. But when she bends over to, like, pick up the dessert in the kitchen, he touches the small of her back. Yeah. Uh, And it freaks her out because it's just so not
2: appropriate in right. any way and not his like Very uncomfortable. vibe and he doesn't all. even
0: realize like men just kind of do that to women without thinking like what they're signaling or like yeah. whether or not it's a welcome like people just sort of physically do that all the time yeah and she flips out like that's not what i wanted from you you know right and he doesn't realize the sexual implications of that the like power he has like being alone in her room with her like There's just so much going on in that one small touch. Yeah. And I feel like the whole movie is loaded that way. Like, every small thing they say, you don't realize it at first, but by the time you get to that story, you're like, my fucking skin has been on fire for the past hour. (laughs) Like, I'm so uncomfortable. Right.
3: So, Before Sunrise was the movie that originally, like, impelled me to start thinking about this. But I feel like this movie and Before Sunrise are, like, the perfect inverse of each other. (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. these two uncharismatic people they are not on the same wavelength at all can't even hold a
1: conversation no yeah
3: they're like constantly miscommunicating and misunderstanding each other they're like in their uh like mid to late 30s they're in this like dark strange apartment as opposed to like you know beautiful vienna wandering it's it's like the perfect like corruption of that beautiful, <laughs> like effortless, youthful love. And it's just like I think they're both real. Absolutely. But I think what happens in what what happened was <laughs> yes. what it's like that is that feels like more true to the experience of so many people. Like you know this non-fanciful like struggling through to find connection
0: you were talking about um non-player characters in video games earlier when y'all were talking about free mm-hmm. guy like she says in this movie we're the extras in films yeah we're not the main characters and that's what it is like right and before sunrise they are the main characters totally. and there are tons of extras in this movie all the main characters have been taken out and it's just two extras in a, yeah. an apartment right. trying to connect oh with each God, other yeah totally Oh, that's
2: so upsetting,
1: yeah, yeah, it's a very uh, sad movie.
2: <laughs> well, um. I don't know i I know it's not for everybody, but I love maybe it's like the last like twenty years or so where like we've had so many more stories about like cringy, awkward interactions. you know, mm-hmm. you when you watch movies from like back in the day, everyone's kind of on point and says the right thing at the right time. And just like, I love that modern film is more. Really honing in on like how awkward and hard it is to interact with mm-hmm. other human beings. Right,
1: it's not easy. Mm-hmm. This is probably way more realistic than anything in before sunset, <laughs> <It's>, sunrise shit. <laughs> this could have been before <laughs> sunset. sunset. Yeah. It's a time of day. <laughs> if it went in a different way,
0: <laughs> I, I also think, cool. I also think this is like the most boiled down to its essence version of this format. Like mm-hmm. this is just two people in basically one room by themselves talking the whole time where like the other ones pull in other characters and other locations and Mm -hmm. you get like a sense of like just fresh air (laughs) and here you suffocate. Oh yeah. It still does a good job of making that feel dynamic and exciting. I
1: think Mm -hmm. having them like kind of trapped in this room in their own world and just their energy. Yeah. The tension in this movie Mm -hmm. is insane.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I think of the four, this is my favorite from a, directing or like cinematography Mm -hmm. wise just Mm -hmm. to look at it's the best and it has the least to work with really yeah yeah, Yeah. and that's pretty that's pretty crazy
3: I think it's maybe the most interesting in like the relationship between the two people because they are like totally different but they're they're different in ways that complement each other it's like you can perfectly like their contrasts are like perfectly arranged together like it's it's not just like two people who disagree about things or like and it's not two people that are on the same they're they're just these like it's like these like jangly angled um (laughs) conversations that are it's like so painful but it 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 all kind of they're trying and they're failing oh it's so bad it's so good
0: I think there's a little bit of that dynamic in the last movie we we're talking about, too. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't know if it's as successful, but we'll, we'll have to
1: get into that. <laughs> wow. So the movie that we're going to wrap all this up with is Interview from 2007. This movie, I feel like I've seen it every time I go to Big Lots and like, dig in the bins. <laughs> it's always there for three bucks. And I honestly like really never saw it. Because I'm like, eh, I don't know. Just the the cover of like Steve Buscemi and like Sienna Miller like t- doing a tango didn't really call out <laughs> didn't to me. Grab you, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, um, I I do love Steve Buscemi a lot, and he directed this movie, which is super interesting.
0: He's done like four films, I think. Yeah, Trees Lounge is the only like significant one. Yeah. Trees
2: Lounge is very good. Just saying.
1: Well, this one I think is pretty interesting too. Um, it's it's so indie. It's disgusting though. Yeah. Like even like this the jazzy like elevator musicy type soundtrack and like the New York background is, is just it's so good. So Steve Buscemi directed this, and he stars in it with Sienna Miller. The only other thing I've really seen her in is Factory Girl. That's it.
0: Um, she was like kind of making a come up a few years ago and Yeah, kind of has disappeared ever since. I can't
1: think of anything else she's been in. But she, um so th- there are two main characters in this movie. Sibu Shimi plays this um this journalist and he's going to a restaurant to interview this kind of big name like horror movie soap opera actress named Katya.
2: I was thinking of like Perez or not Perez, uh Paris Hilton
0: or Lindsay Lohan. Those were the Lindsay two. Lohan. Oh, yes.
1: So on that Lindsay Lohan level mm-hmm. on here. That's a good, good comparison. And he's not looking forward to it. And she's late. So he already is like, you know, I don't want to do this. Like kind of almost having these like assumptions where like I'm better than this. And this is just like a trash person I have to interview who like is just known for being, in, you know, on page six. And she shows up late. And he kind of tries to act like he's better, uh, better than it than um, interviewing her. Whenever she actually gets there, like he's super rude. <laughs> he's kind of like, you know, well, I've I've done more political stuff that's actually important. Now I'm doing this, and she's like, oh, and like he has no idea, like about like he didn't do his research on her. He doesn't know any movie she's really been in. Doesn't know too much about her.
0: And his questions are like, what drew you to being an actor? Just like really basic, yeah, over like, the place. Like, Did yeah. you do your research? Yeah.
1: I don't know. I kind of really, really like her character in this movie. She's like not at all what I think like most people would assume someone playing that role would be like, she's actually really nice to like people who come up around her and like, are like, oh, can I have like your autograph? And, you know, she eventually leaves the restaurant because I mean, he just like pisses her off. And as she's walking, there's a taxi cab following her, who's like yelling at her, and she's like, you know, taking it all in, not being mean about it, being kind of sweet. Turns out Steve Buscemi's in the back seat, and um, taxi cab like crashes into a car. He's in it, and they have like another like little oh wow like bizarre little me cute moment, and he's brought up to her loft, ah uh, big loft, her big old loft. And she has this cell phone ring. I love that detail. (laughs) Because I'm like, where's her
0: doll? So 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 fucking annoying.
1: annoying. Well, at first, when it first happened, I think it was like in the restaurant that they were at. I'm like, oh, is that, like, my neighbor's dog? And then, like, it happened again in the apartment. I'm like, oh, does she have a dog?
0: It's like a chihuahua yipping. So you would think, conceivably, a dog could be in her purse. Well, at first I thought she had her
2: dog with her.
0: Oh, yeah, she
1: was modeled after Paris Hilton. There you go. I find that so
0: funny, like... That's the way the way that he's characterized as like this, like hard boiled, basically misogynist, alcoholic journalist. Yeah, she gets her point across much quicker. It's like the ringtone and the fact that she can't remember anyone's names. Like that's like her two character details. <laughs> but you kind of get the whole deal of who she is. Yeah, like, in, in those two immediately. Details. Yeah,
1: you have to peel away at his character a little bit, but eventually he does reveal himself. It's all rotten. Oh, <laughs> rotten <laughs> Bad. to the core. But once they're like in her loft, they start to have like some drinks and smoke some cigs, do some coke, and a lot,
2: a lot of drinks. Lots,
1: lots of drinks. Of drinks. They and just they
2: guzzle lots of, wine kind of drinks. <laughs> and <laughs> scotch and
1: bourbon. They drink so much. <laughs> they just, yeah, they drink a lot, and then just start to just kind of reveal themselves more and more to each other in a very bizarre way. I don't know, like it's kind of. Comical at parts, wholesome a little bit, and then just trashy and messy.
2: Playing a game.
1: <laughs> it's a tornado. It's
0: like a Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf a little bit, where it's yeah. like stripping away the like version of themselves they present to like get to like the real thing. Mm-hmm. But you can never tell who's still playing a game and who's being truthful. Right. Well, and right. they even
2: say like, oh, you know, there's always a winner and a loser. And yeah. so the whole movie, you're like, well, who's winning at this game? There is a clear victor at yeah. the end. Yes.
1: Yeah. But yeah, like there were, yeah, there's a lot of it where I'm like, are they like playing pretend still and being cute? Is this real? They kind of
2: start having sex and then don't.
1: Right. And she's like, I hate you. And then.
2: (laughs) I kind of like how that's played because like
0: you would think this 50 something director who's like more famous than Sienna Miller, like casting this 20 something as his like co-lead and like they dance and share kisses and things like that. Mm -hmm. And like almost have sex you would think that would be like really gross and it is, but like the movie knows it's gross and like it makes him look worse for doing yeah. it.
3: Yeah. Oh, totally. It's
0: not like a vanity project. He's like making himself look like a yeah. scumbag. Like,
3: this is embarrassing. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I get the sense that Steve Bushimi has no problem making himself look like a <laughs> he's scumbag <doing> that <laughs> Yeah. It's yeah, not like ego driven <laughs> awesome. at all. Yeah. yeah.
1: I don't know. Like, there were s- certain parts in that whole, like, you know, co- them having the conversation in the loft. Where I'm like, oh, maybe he's, like, not that horrible of, like, a guy. And then he, like, literally, like, steals her diary. And, like, isn't ashamed of it. Like, I don't know. Like And then I'm like, oh, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. And then it kind of really goes downhill at that point.
0: I know. The first interaction they have, he calls her a cunt under his breath. And I was like, all right. This guy's, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. There's nowhere to go makes, from like, there. he bizarre comments.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I didn't know that this was, like, based on a Dutch film by, um like what's his face van gogh
2: who was killed he was assassinated, like, he was assassinated because Islamist, of a film he made. Extre- extremists yeah. Yeah. yeah and so see decided to like, oh, take wow. the reins yeah he
1: got murdered in like i think 2004 mm-hmm. so like this came out in 2007 so i think yeah like that kind of
2: and the dutch one is impossible
0: to find i tried to watch some of it the best i could find was a trailer and it is, like, yeah. cheaper than this. And, like, the acting doesn't look like it's as good to me.
1: And the woman in that movie... She's is, older. ...is apparently in the limo at the end of this movie. Oh, okay. The lady who comes in the limousine and, like, bizarrely stares at him like he's hot shit or something. That's her. <laughs> yeah. I, I
0: don't think that there's, like, a quality dip. You know when you, when you watch, like, American remakes of, like, foreign films sometimes? It's like, yeah. well, what is the point of this? Like, this mm-hmm. seems like a... The textures different, and like it seems like he's actually engaged with the material, and like mm-hmm.
1: I, yeah, it, it didn't cheapen anything. I
2: mean, what, what I liked, one of the things I liked most about was actually the look of it, like the digital look and like the multiple camera yeah. angle. Like I thought, like look of it was good, and I like the idea of two people getting super wasted and shedding.
0: And those two things are related. The camera is handheld uh-huh. and like cheap. And the drunker they get, the more you feel like you're just staggering. Yeah, it gets a little woozy. Yeah, Yeah.
2: but ultimately the whole like the game they play and the one-upsmanship sort of wild. Yeah, I guess it sort of lost me (laughs) (laughs) for a while. But
3: he's also just like not a good journalist. Like they make that clear. I mean, he makes that clear in a confession. But it's like you go onto her computer and like you see a file that has her name and then it's like it has like you think that this celebrity is going to keep like a revealing diary entry like two clicks away on her desktop? And also if he had known well, I won't go into that anyway. It's just like he's just like this ridiculous totally got ridiculous played well, it, hard. Yeah. He's a
0: hack and yeah. like his main concern is not his art form. It's like That guy who is my colleague got on TV instead of me, and that's the part that upsets him.
1: Yeah, I mean, this one, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't like I'm. I mean, I'm fine with passing up the DVDs at Big Lots.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I thought it was okay. Like, yeah, yeah, the two performances are very good. Mm -hmm. I don't buy that these two characters are real people at any point during this. Yeah, yeah. I
2: totally agree with that. Yeah,
3: I think the writing was like a little bizarre. I don't get
2: their motivation when they're talking. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I get the whole game, but I didn't know who was playing who and what they were trying to like present to play the other person. Or like, is it
1: bad acting? Or was it like the game making the acting bad?
2: Yeah. I mean, I just thought the script was weak, honestly. And like of all these films, yeah, they didn't feel like real people. I mean, at least even before Sunrise, like, Yeah, it's really well written, but they felt like real people. Yeah, you can sense them performing for
0: each other in Before Sunrise, Mm -hmm. but there's like a reason they're performing, and like it's coming from like an authentic place. Here, they're performing too, and it's like to eviscerate each other, but you never strip away the layers of artifice to like get Mm -hmm. to the real person at the core. Yeah, in any way, like, and I feel like that's what a good Edward Albee play can do. Like in Virginia Woolf, Mm -hmm. the play, like they're performing and they're like ripping each other apart and they're like joking each other's faces. But as the play goes on, it like strips away all these protective layers. Mm -hmm. And at the end, you know, there's just like nothing left, but these like pathetic people. Right. Yeah. Uh, This one, they strip away the layers. And like, at the end, I'm like, I don't, I don't know who these people are. You know what? You know what?
2: A main, my main problem with it is like in what happened was they're drinking during that film too. And she gets quite drunk and, like, her acting is so great where, like, she actually loosens up in a way that, like, oh, that's how people behave mm-hmm. when they've drank a little too much. And she's opening up and she's kind of giggly. And and then in this movie, they're, like, getting – they're <laughs> drinking three, four bottles of wine. They're taking shots. They're doing coke. And it's, like, so insane. And yet I never get the sense of, like, these people are actually removing know. their – facade that's like all.
0: that's like how alcoholics are though like if you drink that much that regularly you don't sense it's a good point you like motor functions and like it's not about loosening social inhibitions the way that alcohol usually is it's more about they just get mean like that's the one thing I do think I that mean, works in this movie is like they are fucking cruel to each other mm-hmm. Um, and the way that like he mentions that she looks like his daughter and then she picks up on that and like Basically, like stabs him and twists the screwdriver. She st- she doesn't literally stab him in this movie, but she's like, <laughs> she's poking that wound. She keeps calling him daddy and stuff. Like mm-hmm. every time he hits on her and tries to kiss her, and like she makes it as uncomfortable as possible. And that is the game, is the two of them trying to like dominate each other in the yeah. conversation. And it feels like two drunks like trying to like outmean each other. That part feels but like see, it progresses. If it been,
2: okay, here's my problem. If it would have been that, if it would have been okay, two alcoholics, they go on this huge bender and they eviscerate each other. That's one thing. And then they wake up the next day and they're like in a haze. Oh Mm -hmm. my God, what happened? Oh, all right, I'm going to go home. That was fucked up. But the way this movie plays it is like, there is a winner. Yeah. Mm Well, Like ultimately she wins the game. And I think like it was a little too wrapped up in a bow, tidy for me where I wish it would have... Just been ultimately like them going on this huge bender, yeah, destroying each other and waking up in a hay and be like, What did we do last night? I'm going home. Like that would have been a more interesting human story than what we ultimately got.
1: The ending just reminded me of like oh like this I don't know why, but like the ending of like an episode of like Sex in the City. Or something where it's like, all right, you know, like <laughs> let me get, I'm gonna go home, and you're gonna stay in your house, only
0: in New York, and then like, a, right. yeah, <laughs> and then the,
1: do, 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 like the, the jazzy oh, New yeah. York City music play. It, it was just a bizarre. I don't know. Also, I, I just remembered this that phone conversation she has in the beginning. Whenever they initially go into her apartment, and you know, after her like chihuahua ringtones going off, <laughs> it's James Franco. Oh, weird. So James Franco does have a minor role in this movie oh, as the voice God. on a cell phone. That's
0: Ew. Ew. <laughs> Sick. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know. I think what I liked about this movie more so is that it just kind of Captures like early 2000s, yeah, New York Definitely. and early 2000s, like fashion, and, yeah. like just vibes really She's well. got like the multi layered, <laughs> like
3: feather, yeah, I like love leather kind of
2: jacket, I, yeah. yeah. It was all the stuff besides the core of the story. It was like, <laughs> no, really, it was like, oh, the I love the True. digital camera stuff, I love yeah. the performances, yeah, I would
0: include the performances in that. It looks
2: cool, like, I don't think the script is very good, and I yeah. don't think it ultimately amounts to anything of substance. So there it was kind of like a mixed bag yeah, for yeah. me.
3: But and I also I feel like this does kind of round out the selection that we have. Mm. It was like, you know, my yes. dinner with Andres, two friends, like two intellectuals, and then before sunrise, like two young, hopeful romantics. Um, what happened was like two jaded people trying to find a relationship and then um this is like two like alcoholics in the yeah. entertainment like journalist industry <laughs> <are> just <laughs> trying to yeah exactly two just people to should be not be in mean. the
0: same room yeah like, <laughs> at all yeah which I guess you could say about what happened was but like there's a reason why they might connect in that movie and this one they have like no business talking to each right. other right
3: yeah it was just yeah every time they were I was it was just I was just confused every every second they were together and
1: yeah I'm like why haven't you kicked him out of your your loft yet
3: yeah.
0: She's the one I confuse the most about, like confuse myself the most about when I try to think it through. Like, I get what he's trying to get out of her, right? I get why his image of himself is so important to him, yeah. And like the things he lies to himself about, like how good of a person he is and how useful he is. Mm -hmm. I don't understand what she wants out of this interaction or like
1: a fun time.
0: Yeah, I guess so. She's just bored. Yeah, 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 bored and dying. Yeah, I got the
2: (laughs) sense that like, you know, she's always this object of attention, all these people asking for autographs and pictures. And I don't know, I guess it'd be refreshing to just like fuck with a journalist for an evening yeah.
3: who doesn't yeah. seem to know who you are. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Who do, like doesn't know who I am and I'm going to like destroy him. I mean, I guess it's about as deep as it goes. And
0: they are impressively cruel to each other. Even if the dialogue maybe doesn't back up that cruelty, like mm-hmm. there is like a, you know, just a meanness to this movie that I appreciated. I didn't. I wasn't bored by it in any way. No. It's just like you know, we're comparing it to three other movies that I ended up holding like very high regard. <laughs> right. And, like this one's like the most missable, I think, of this group. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. That doesn't mean it's bad though. It's fine. No, no. it's like, it's like you know, watching a train wreck. Right. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. I just wish the train wreck had had like more flames and like yeah. even like <laughs> body parts flinging out of the. Yeah. The cars. It's like if
1: you're gonna touch into going there, then like go all the way. Yeah. And like. You know, yeah, scream and cry at each other. Really somewhere destroyed. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, someone just needs to have a total emotional breakdown and right. a liquor bottle broken on top of their head or something. Yeah. Like, it was a little too calm. Right. For the dialogue.
0: Well, it sounds like the, like, main discovery of this episode is what happened was. Yeah. Which has been, like, so sort of a wider discovery among movie nerds this year anyway. But if you have not seen it, yeah. it is on Criterion yeah. Channel right now.
3: Please go see it. It was so, so good.
0: It's never looked better than it looks right now. It's so crisp and like yeah. vivid and Ooh,
3: those colors.
0: And if you have seen it, I highly recommend looking up the 90s trailer for it because it is <laughs> insane. Like the tone of that just does not match the movie. It's advertising in like a really exciting way. And next week on this show. We will be watching and discussing a movie that I've already referenced today, so it was already on my mind, but um, The Queen of Versailles, which oh, was on Brittany and Hannah's like, Best of the Decade list uh, mm-hmm. when we did oh, that God, episode. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. Boomer does, too, so Boomer's making oh, me watch good. it for the first time. It was on
1: his list, too. Yeah, it
0: was. I also think it firmly fits in the reality TV movie mold that we were talking about totally. last time. But I'll have more thoughts on that when we actually discuss it.
1: I'm super excited to listen to y'all discuss it. Yay. Oh my God.
0: And in the meantime, check out the daily reviews we publish on SwapFlix.com. <laughs> I need like a better like radio broadcaster voice. I
1: think that's fine. That was good? Yeah, yeah. that was good.
0: SwapFlix.com.
1: Yeah, the other one was more effortless. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I, need a, I need to strip away my layers of artifice.
1: <laughs> well, we got some scotch.
0: Yep. So. <laughs> Bye, everybody.
3: Bye. Bye.